And welcome back, everyone. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And what a week it is already. And uh, as we tape this, it is only Monday. But here we are, and the Senate is losing its mind, or at least the Republican side of the Senate is losing its mind. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Network's world-class web hosting and domain name registration. That's Pair.com. You can learn more about them at P-A-I-R.com. This is Healthcare Politics, and we are your resource for serious but candid discussion of healthcare policy issues. And unlike just about everybody else in media, we dare to be reasonable. In other words, we certainly have our point of view, but happy to listen to other points of view when they come from a well-reasoned and honest uh, place. We're carried by radio stations across the country. We started in February, and we now have radio stations covering us from Massachusetts to California to Florida, Arkansas, you name it, 13 states. And that's because we are the place where you can get a serious discussion of these critical issues. Today, our guest uh, at the end of the hour for the last two-thirds of the show, actually, is Dr. David Schoener. He's an internationally recognized expert in allergy and asthma. And you may ask yourself, what does that have to do with politics? Well, if we don't figure out a way to, frankly, shrink the need for healthcare services, there's not enough money in the world to pay for all the health care that we're going to need. If we don't start managing our own care, and, you know, all politics is local, all health care is local, we've got to manage our own health care. But when it comes to our kids, you know, we have a soft spot for our kids, and there's an absolute explosion of allergy and asthma. And worse still, because doctors are spread so thin, they're hitting these kids with pretty standard uh, steroid treatments, and that may be the absolute wrong thing. So if you have kids, you're worried about allergies, you have allergies yourself, you're worried about asthma, you really need to stand by and listen to what Dr. David Schoener has to say later. But first, the news. Call it Mitch Care, Trump Care 2.0. Whatever you choose, the Senate Republicans are back with the same bad wine in a slightly different bottle. Uh, the vote, as you may have heard, was delayed due to the absence of Senator John McCain of Arizona, who's, um, who's real mavericky. That's that He likes to think of himself as the maverick in the Senate. Uh, he's back in his state for treatment of a blood clot over his eye, uh, which sounds pretty serious to me. <clears throat> but the Senate uh, Republicans, uh, Mitch McConnell, had to act- actually cancel or at least postpone the vote because they can't afford to lose Dr. Uh, Senator McCain's vote. That's how popular their bill is. They, they can't even afford to have Senator McCain away because this thing won't pass. Of course, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, has never been so popular. And, and frankly, it's simply a function of the people who were told by the Republicans for seven years that they would fix this horrible thing called Obamacare and that they just were itching to take the wheel of the car. Well, they've got the wheel of the car and they've driven it straight into the ditch and they can't figure out what to do. They're embarrassed and humiliated. So there you go. But on the, on the flip side, Medicare for all whether you call it single-payer, universal health care, whatever you call it, now that is getting to be very popular. So uh, it's important that we 
stay balanced here. So let's talk about one thing that uh, Senator Cruz wants to do with the Senate bill, and that is he wants to reinstate the ability of insurance companies to sell what everybody's calling um, Swiss cheese policies or junk policies. I call them fake policies because now it's fake this, fake that, fake news. Well, these are fake insurance policies. And he says, but they'll cost less. They'll cost a lot less. Well, yeah, they'll cost less. And when you buy one of these things and you think you're insured and you show up at the emergency room and they say, well, this policy doesn't cover anything, well, then guess what happens then? You can call Senator Cruz and say, what happened? And he'll say, well, that was your fault. You bought the wrong policy. Well, anyway, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about compassion. We're going to talk about compassion and what it is with a guy like Ted Cruz. So let's take a very short break. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. In a conference call with the media, the groups urged the legislature to work on funding the state's public schools or repairing the state's crumbling infrastructure instead of passing a so-called bathroom bill they say is designed to legalize discrimination. The measure would restrict where transgender Texans are allowed to use the bathroom. Kathy Miller with the Texas Freedom Network says Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is pushing the bill to appease members of the Tea Party. Despite opposition from civil rights organizations, religious leaders, and the business community, and despite not one shred of evidence of the privacy and safety issues Patrick claims make this legislation necessary, the bathroom bill remains his chief priority. Once lawmakers complete major legislation, Governor Greg Abbott will likely allow other anti-LBGTQ bills to be considered, including one's undoing local non-discrimination ordinances and barring anti-discrimination bathroom rules in schools. The special session convenes Tuesday and runs for 20 days. I'm Mark Richardson. And we are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And today's word is compassion. Compassion. Now, we all think we have a pretty good grip on the definition of compassion. And some of the people who think they are the most compassionate because they are very uh, God-fearing and uh, wear their religion right on their sleeve are the very people who in Washington, D.C. are busy trying to dismantle the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. And some of them even say that's an act of compassion, that somehow it's an act of greater compassion to throw people off of the insurance they have or disqualify them from Medicaid or reduce the funding for Medicaid to the point where it no longer covers what it should cover, that somehow that's compassionate because it means the people have choice, that it's their choice to be uninsured. It's their choice to not have access to drugs. It's their choice to have their children go undiagnosed with various diseases. It's their choice to have their elders go bankrupt in their late 50s or 60s and have nothing for retirement because they were ill and they were too young to qualify for Medicare. But that was all choice, and isn't choice a wonderful thing? It's compassionate. And I'm going to set aside my my notes here and just speak to you from the heart because we started this show in February 
of 2017. We've been at it about six months. And the very first show we did was Steve's 100 Reasons Why Medicare for All Works for All Americans. And yes, we did 100 separate reasons in less than an hour. So that works out, worked out to about one every 30 seconds. And if I'd had two hours, I could have done 200 reasons because when you really think about it and you think about the advantages of having everybody covered without having to bankrupt themselves or use the rent money to buy drugs, the beneficial effects in our society are more than just a question of compassion. It's a question of economics. And just over the past weekend, I sat down again with a video camera this time and did my 100 reasons again, uh, this time in 50 minutes. So it worked out to exactly one every 30 seconds, and we could have kept going. We actually did 101, just in case I re repeated myself somewhere along the line. And that will go up here in a day or so on YouTube, and you can, number one, see what I look like, and number two, you can listen to this, and as you listen... You can arm yourself with the reasons you need when you go to dinner with Uncle Harry or whoever who wants to lecture you about how uh, President Trump promised to have a beautiful health care plan and if the Democrats just get out of the way, uh, they could pass this thing and the insurance companies would take care of us all. And, you know, when I, when I do these hundred reasons, I always think to myself, you know, this seems incredibly obvious. What is the problem? And so I'm going to spend just the time we have here in this segment to just comment on something. Back also in February, and many of you will remember this, CNN, you know, that horrible fake news, CNN, God forbid, that most of the rest of the world relies on for credible news, but be that as it may, they had a debate. They sponsored a debate between Bernie Sanders, the most popular elected official in the United States, and Ted Cruz, who is not the most popular elected official in the United States. And it was on health care. And pretty early in that debate, Bernie Sanders looked at Senator Cruz and he said, yes or no, do you believe that health care is a human right? Yes or no. Well, you know, Ted, Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz, and I have, I actually have literally his book in front of me. I'm touching it right now, in case you don't believe me. I'm touching it. And it's a book called A Time for Truth, Reigniting the Promise of America. You know, I'm just going to digress here for a moment. I read this book when, I, when it first came out because you have to know what the other side is thinking. That's part of the dare to be reasonable theme of this show. You have to read what the other side has to say. Well, I had to wade through 260 pages of this book before I got to anything about health care. That's how important it is to Ted Cruz. But I digress. So during the debate, we have um, the question, simple question, yes or no. Do you believe, Senator Cruz, that health care is a human right? Now, you already know the answer to this question, but do you think he answered it yes or no? This is Ted Cruz, the national collegiate debating champion when he was at Princeton, a student at the Harvard Law School, and I think it was Professor Alan Dershowitz, who's no conservative, who said, 
Ted Cruz was one of the smartest students he ever had. So here we have Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, Princeton graduate, Harvard Law School, smart guy, yes or no, is health care a human right? And of course he couldn't answer it. What, what he said was, well, the Constitution doesn't say health care is a human right. There, and so he didn't, he didn't finish the sentence. But if he had had the courage, he would have said, and therefore it's not. But, you know, Ted Cruz can't look all of us in the eye, in, in, or the camera in the eye, so to speak, and say, you know, health care is not a human right. If you can't afford it, then you should just die. That's the honest perspective of a guy like Ted Cruz. And so this past couple of weeks, he came up with this idea to try and fix the Senate bill. And he said, I know what we'll do. What we'll do is we'll say to the insurance companies, so long as you offer at least one insurance policy that has all of the essential health care benefits of the Obamacare plan, as long as you cover things like pregnancies and laboratory tests and hospitalization, as long as you have one plan that will do that, well, then you can sell as many plans as you want that don't. Well, if that sounds familiar, it, it is familiar because that's the way it used to be. Back in 2005, 6, and 7, when we had a collapsing insurance market in this, in this country and employers were dumping health care insurance plans like crazy because the recession was hitting and people were finding that their co-pays and deductibles were skyrocketing, well, that's when the insurance companies were in charge and they could do whatever they wanted. And part of what they did when they were in charge and could do whatever they wanted was if you actually had an insurance policy and you had the bad judgment to get cancer, well, then you could be just simply thrown off that policy. Just thrown off. Boy, that made life simple for the insurance company. You know, I'll collect the premiums and as soon as I have to pay, I just kick the person off. And I can treat women as, as having pre-existing conditions because they're women and so forth and so on. And, you know, we, we have a congressman here in my part of the state. Now, I don't want to embarrass him worse than I usually do, so I won't mention his name. But, you know, he had cancer of the appendix as a younger man. And he got all the health care he needed. And that's nice. I'm glad. And he's healthy and he's got a family and that's the way it should be. But it should be that way for everybody, not just for the privileged. Yet this very same person who is incredibly religious, wears his religion on his sleeve, as I said before, has been voting consistently to repeal the Affordable Care Act and in favor of these Republican bills that would slash coverage to millions and millions of people on Medicare, Medicaid, you name it. And frankly, I just don't get it. I don't know how they can look any of us in the eye and say that they have compassion. So we're going to take a break here shortly. And when we come back, we're going to be talking uh, to Dr. David Scone, who was kind enough to give us some time out of a very busy day. If you know anybody who has children with asthma uh, or allergies or you have those things and you're taking steroids for it, Please listen to this because this is an example of one of the things that's wrong with our healthcare system, and Dr. Schoner is one of the people trying to fix it. So we'll be back. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics.
Hey America, we need to have a little talk. We've got a lot of food in this country. We've got so much food that we can't eat it all. So how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids who need it. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The International Union of Operating Engineers Local 66 works with builders and contractors to build a better community. Local 66's tradesmen and women have received the specialty training needed to meet the complex challenges of any project, making them the most capable workforce in the region. From schools, highways, and pipeline projects to casinos and arenas, the operating engineers build any job, large or small. For over 100 years, Local 66 has provided superior service that our community can count on. They are your one-stop resource for qualified and productive operating engineers and heavy equipment mechanics. To learn more about the benefits of organized labor and more information about the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 66, go to www.iuoe66.org. That's www.iuoe66.org. And welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, your host. And this week, we have as our special guest for the rest of the hour, my friend and an expert pediatrician and allergist, Dr. David Sconer. And he is taking time out of his incredibly busy schedule to join us by telephone from his new office at Easy Allergy in McMurray, Pennsylvania. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But what we are here to talk about principally is the work he is doing uh, across the country to educate people about the dangers associated with inhaled steroids, particularly in uh, pediatric patients, which is to say kids. And Dr. Schoner is going all over the country and speaking to groups of parents and physicians because in his practice he, he has realized that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding and a lot of abuse of these uh, inhalers, and it's not, and no one's trying to hurt anyone. It's just a lot of ignorance about what's going on. So, what we're going to do is talk about a particular case. Uh, the patient's name is Macy, and Dr. Schoner, you do have permission of the patient's family to discuss her case. We're not going to use her last name, but you have her permission to talk about it, right? Yes. Okay, well, so let's get started, Dr. Schoner. Welcome to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and let's uh, just talk about who who you are and and what sort of uh, experience do you have in allergy and pediatrics? Yeah, Steve, my uh, experience uh, extends way back to the 80s, 1980s, when I trained in pediatrics and allergy and immunology and became board certified. And after that, I became part of the faculty of a number of uh, prominent universities and in roles in teaching and research and patient care. 
And over the years, my heart always rested with the well-being of children, and it remains that way. And I think I've become wiser and more aware of the needs of children over time uh, in some of those roles that I've played. Um, my career focused heavily on systemic side effects of corticosteroid medications that we use to treat allergies and uh, asthma, and I focused my attention a lot on the growth of children using those medications. And the other area of interest in my career was allergen immunotherapy, using allergen extracts to desensitize people to their allergies. And more importantly than, than that in and of itself, I, I focused on new ways to deliver allergen immunotherapy to people. Traditionally, it's, you know, via allergy shots, which are inconvenient and painful. And uh, the latter part of my career focused on finding new ways to deliver that instead of as a shot uh, under the tongue. Well, and, uh, and we're going to get to that. I want to okay. save a section of uh, the interview time just for that. But let's talk about uh, Macy and her particular situation and, and what led to the formation of the charity that you created called Macy's Teams. And I, I should tell the audience I'm on the board of that charity and I'm proud to be. But let's uh, let's get to the point. Who, who was Macy? Or who Macy is Macy? Was, Macy was a six-year-old little girl who had uh, runny nose and sneezing and nasal congestion and coughing when she would exercise. And she saw a pediatric allergist, uh, was diagnosed with allergies by skin testing, and including grass allergy, and uh, had spirometry done that suggested asthma, but Macy struggled to do it, so it was really inconclusive. But she was uh, diagnosed with allergy and asthma and started on medications at what we would call high doses, maybe even excessive doses. She was put on double dose of nasal steroids based on what was approved for by the FDA, and she was put on high doses of inhaled steroids for asthma. So two steroids, one in the nose, one in the lungs, both at very high doses. And she was treated that way for about 18 months. And during that time, Macy's mother was noticing changes in Macy's appearance and you know, the way she was growing and things like that. And she was bringing this to the attention of doctors, but they all said it was Macy's diet. It was her lack of activity. It wasn't related to the drugs. And so this went on for about 18 months, uh, the changes that uh, were being noticed. And then one day uh, at Disney World, um, a game-changing event occurred. Um, Macy developed a fever, and she became hypotensive. Her blood pressure dropped, and nobody knew it at the time, but uh, that basically was something called Cushing's syndrome. Um, under the influence of all the corticosteroids that Macy had from her nose and from her lungs, her adrenal gland basically stopped working, and the adrenal gland is the fight-or-flight response gland. When you need to get up and run or you get a fever, an infection, this gland puts out lots of cortisol to help your body respond to the stress. And Macy's um, gland was unable to do that at Disney. And uh, 
the, the thought was that if she hadn't gotten prednisone there, she might have died. So basically, she came back home and went to see an endocrinologist, and they diagnosed the Cushing syndrome. And then I became involved in the case and helped get Macy off of the corticosteroids that she was using and onto a corticosteroid that had lower systemic activity. And over about six weeks of time, Macy's adrenal gland started to work again, and that all became normal. And her bones, though, continued to suffer the effects of the corticosteroids. Uh, she's still on growth hormone, and she had a number of major fractures from minor falls off of jungle gyms onto padded surfaces and so on. So Macy developed corticosteroid side effects, not because corticosteroids were bad, but it was largely because they were used in higher than needed doses and the doctors weren't real familiar with the side effects that Macy was developing during that 18 months of treatment. So I kind of wondered why that happened to Macy. So, And was that unique? Or do doctors know about dosing of corticosteroids for children? And do they know how to recognize side effects? So we decided to form the nonprofit Macy's Teams. And basically, we've delivered presentations all over the country to all kinds of groups of doctors. And we learned that what happened to Macy would have, would have and could have happened anywhere because the doctors don't know largely what doses the, the FDA approved for children for the corticosteroid that Macy used. And they also don't feel comfortable recognizing the side effects that Macy developed either. So what happened with Macy's case probably happens all over the country because the healthcare professionals just aren't as familiar as they should be with dosing and side effect recognition. So that's the mission of the nonprofit to educate and teach healthcare professionals about this. When we've given this presentation, I, I put up a slide at the end, and we have a polling system for the audience. And I asked the question, will this presentation change the way you treat asthma in children? And more than 95% of them respond, yes, it will change the way we treat children because they learn about what doses are approved and unapproved for children and they learn about side effect recognition. Well, Dr. Schoner, this this is so important because we all love our kids and you know we die for our kids. And this particular program is now carried across the country and there are tens of thousands of people that will hear this and it's it's a great way for us to make the message clear to um, to a lot of people who maybe they have someone in their families, maybe their own children uh, are not responding as expected to the various treatments that they're getting for their asthma. So when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to try and make this a little more personal. Uh, we're going to come back, we're going to play some sound from Macy's mother. And this is, you know, some people out there might be thinking, oh, well, mom just wasn't paying attention. That's not the case. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be uh, listening to Macy's mom. So this is Steve Larchuk. We'll be right back. Healthcare politics with Steve Larchuk. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a diversified media enterprises production. For Win, I'm Joanne Powers. 
A tentative agreement reached late Saturday night between the SAG-AFTRA union and National Public Radio has averted a strike by over 400 news and programming workers. The deal was reached at the end of a 24-hour contract extension after almost 300 workers voted to seek strike authorization from the union's national board. The union says the deal provides for salary increases and effectively repelled efforts to erode union protections and institute a two-tiered salary system. The union had strenuously opposed plans by NPR to create a separate pay scale for new hires, demanding equal pay for equal work. The union expressed concern that such a policy would adversely affect the hiring of women and people of color. The workers have yet to ratify the three-year contract. Workers at frozen food company Lamb Weston in Twin Falls, Idaho, have failed in their bid to form a union in an election that concluded on Saturday. Timothy Acives, secretary-treasurer for Teamsters Local 483 in Boise, Idaho, says they were surprised to receive quite a few votes less than even the number of cards workers had originally signed in support of the union campaign. I can only attribute that to the union busters, Craft Breezy, that had unfettered access for weeks at a time and mandatory meetings prior to the election. They were portraying the union as thugs, shysters that would tell the people what they wanted to hear in order to make something similar to a sale. And of course, we're not salesmen. We're in a labor movement trying to provide a path for people to better their lives. The union has filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board alleging that the company and their consultants, Kraft Barisi, participated in several unfair labor practices, such as threatening to close the plant if the workers voted to unionize, and pulling workers into supervisors' offices to discuss their union affiliation. The union is also moving forward with charging the company under Idaho's right-to-work statute. Daryl Hardenbrook, director of representation for Local 483, described the election as pretty ugly. The state has allowed an outside company to come in and illegally threaten and coerce and badger and single out immigrants into thinking that if they do exercise their legal rights, harm could come to them. I wish people could see what I've seen in the last couple of months. It's appalling. I just can't believe that in 2017, this is allowed to happen. But we're not done. It's not over. It's not over. Brought to you by the IBEW, 750,000 men and women powering the way for an American comeback. Information on how to become an international brotherhood of electrical workers power professional is online at IBEW.org. You've been listening to WIN, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit WorkersIndependentNews.com. It was 1973. Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, was at the top of the charts. The feminist movement was in full swing. A group of Boston women office workers started talking about how they were treated at work, how men made more money for the same jobs, how they couldn't take time off to care for their kids without putting their jobs at risk. They were feisty, empowered, and fed up. They founded 9 to 5, a membership organization of women working in low-wage jobs, inspiring a national hit song and movie. Whether it's fighting for better leave policies, for equal pay for equal work, to ban the box or strengthen the safety net, 9 to 5 is on the front lines of putting our issues on the public agenda, and they're winning big. Find out more about how they're raising the bar at www.9to5.org. That's the number 9, T-O, number 5.org.
And welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and many thanks to our national underwriter, Payer Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration. Learn more at payer.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. And our guest this week for the rest of the hour is pediatrician and allergy expert Dr. David Sconer of the uh, Easy Allergy Centers and, more to the point, Macy's Teams. During the last segment, we talked about who is Macy and uh, and what is what is going on with uh, inhaled steroids. And Dr. Schoner was kind enough to tell us about how he how he has been treating this particular patient. And we'll get into the fact that this is not a rare thing. But I wanted to take some time to make this a little more personal. We have some sound from Macy's mother. Her name is Kristen. And we're going to play that. It's about two minutes long, but it's worth listening to if you have kids or love kids. So we're going to cue that up right now. I'm even more angry now, I think, than I was when it was happening. You know, because I was like in that mode when she was diagnosed. I was in this mode of like, okay, we have to try to figure out what exactly caused this and why it caused this and why her body reacted to this like this. And try to find the right people to tell me it's going to be okay and that's where Dr. Schoner came into the picture and if it weren't for him I wouldn't have I wouldn't I would have gone you know a few months while she was kind of recovering of just kind of not knowing if she was going to get back to normal but I had a, had the resources to have all of those special people and doctors that were ready and willing to help us and not because of who my husband was but because they truly cared and they wanted to help and we unlike most people had the resources to be able to go and travel and get on a plane and go wherever we needed to go and see whoever we needed to see. And it just now looking back the it was, I mean, I'm so angry that I was told that this could not happen and this is not what's happening and that basically you need to watch what your child is eating and that almost makes you think, okay, I'm not doing the right thing as a mom. But, you know, I was made to think that I was, I was the one that was doing something wrong. And, you know, and it's not, like, I don't want to play the blame game, but there, is, there are people to blame here. And whether it's the drug companies that didn't give the right information to the nurse practitioner who told me that, you know, this cannot happen. I mean, she was very sorry and sad and regretful that she did not learn herself that this could possibly be a side effect. The nurse practitioner that told us that it couldn't happen, she goes to sponsored dinner meetings with drug companies that are supposed to be there to educate, you know, the physicians and the nurse practitioners and the the people who are prescribing this medication and she was never informed. And you know, it's made a huge impact on their clinic and watching these kids and monitoring them closer and you know same thing with our allergist you know she has made changes and I'm so thankful that it didn't take something really bad to happen to Macy for them to make changes it you know it was bad but it could have been a lot worse and you know I'm thankful that now that they really have taken a stand and and that's what I'm trying to do now is to where it's not just here in our community and the doctors that saw Macy and the nurse practitioner and the clinics that she went to. I want it to be worldwide. Okay, so so that's uh, Kristen. That's Macy's mother. And uh, the point that I wanted to make by playing that was it could be any of us. 
here was a mother who obviously cared deeply about her child and was doing the right thing. She was seeing something that wasn't right. She took the, the child back to see the physicians and the caretakers, and they frankly just didn't realize what they were doing. And so, uh, Dr. Schooner, you're still on the line with us, uh, and she obviously had some nice things to say about you, and I, I can imagine so. But uh, you started this foundation, this charity called Macy's Teams, T-E-A-M-S, which stands for Teaching Everyone About Medication Safety. And you have done these seminars all over the country, and during the last segment, you said that at the end of the program, after you do the seminar, something like 95% of the physicians in the room say they will change the way they're doing things. Is that Can that be right, 95%? Yes, it can, Steve, because um, when I asked them about what doses of the inhaled steroid were approved for children, they, uh, they most of them get it wrong. There's three doses of the medication that Macy was on that have been approved for adults. Only one of them was approved for children. And I'd say about 75% of doctors don't realize that only that one dose was approved for children. They think that two or all three of them were approved for children. So somewhere they lost sight of the fact that the FDA did not approve all three doses for children, and that's why Macy was given a high dose. About 75 or 80 percent of them also say that they, if, if the children don't grow or their adrenal gland doesn't function because of the inhaled steroid, they don't feel comfortable recognizing it. And that's pretty much what happened in Macy's case as well. So when we provide that education, that fills in the gaps. They now know what doses are approved for kids. They know now know how to recognize growth and adrenal suppression, and their comfort level goes up, and it will change the way they treat uh, children. So the presentations that we have delivered, and I'm going to guess we've done 50 to 60 of them, probably have impacted the lives of thousands and thousands of children already, is my guess, because each healthcare provider is taking care of lots and lots of children. So I'm really happy about that. Well, and it's great that you've done 50 or 60 of those, but that means uh, maybe you've reached out to 5,000 or 6,000 people, maybe even 10,000, which is great. But if, um, if there's a parent out there listening right now or even a healthcare provider who has a child or a relative who's taking uh, inhaled steroids, either through the nose or through an inhaler through the mouth, for asthma, what should they be looking for or what should they be watchful for in terms of maybe their, maybe their child is getting too much? The signs come in terms of the way the child looks and the way they grow. So in terms of growth, what happens if there's too much corticosteroid in the body, the child stops growing in height. They stay shorter than they should be. They, they don't grow in height as well, and they actually put on pounds as well. They, so they gain weight, and they stop growing in height. That also is accompanied by changes in uh, physical appearance, and the changes we, we broadly call Cushingoid because Macy had Cushing's syndrome. Cushingoid appearance is what we look for, and 
they're largely uh, facial changes. Um, the the face, instead of sort of a rectangular appearance, has a moon shape. The cheeks get filled with fat, and you end up with what's called a moon face. And Macy certainly developed that. Uh, there's also redistribution of fat in the body. So there's a, a, a fat pad that develops on the back of the neck, on the, on the upper part of the back. It's called a buffalo hump. And there's a lot of deposit of fat tissue in the, in the abdominal area, the belly area as well. And Macy had all of those changes. So those are signs, the growth changes and the appearance changes are all signs that the, there's too much corticosteroid in the body. And I would encourage anyone who thinks they have a child that's suffering from these to go to our website. Go to www.macysteams.org and uh, contact us and let us know, and we can respond to um, information that people present on there. I would go and learn more from the website, and there's a very, very impactful video on the website talking about medication safety as well. So I would use our organization to learn more. Okay. Now we're going to take another break, and we're going to repeat that website when we come back. But we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more broadly about allergies and the new approaches. So this is Steve Larchuk with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 66, works with builders and contractors to build a better community. Local 66's tradesmen and women have received the specialty training needed to meet the complex challenges of any project, making them the most capable workforce in the region. From schools, highways, and pipeline projects to casinos and arenas, the operating engineers build any job, large or small. For over 100 years, Local 66 has provided superior service that our community can count on. They are your one-stop resource for qualified and productive operating engineers and heavy equipment mechanics. To learn more about the benefits of organized labor and more information about the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 66, go to www.iuoe66.org. That's www.iuoe66.org. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? 
Allison, no. That's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison? Why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Most of my family, they never graduated high school, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. And welcome back, everyone. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and this is Steve Larchuk, your host. Our guest this week is expert allergist and pediatrician Dr. David Schoner, and we've spent some time talking about the life or death potential of misuse or abuse of inhaled steroids in children. And we've, uh, if you've missed the first part of this, you should go to our website or go to iTunes and download our podcast. The website is healthcare-politics.com. And, of course, you can go to iTunes and, and get our podcast there. And you could also go to the Macy's Teams uh, website. And, Dr. Schoner, what is that uh, website again? www.macis. T-E-A-M-S.org, Macy'sTeams.org. Right. Macy'sTeams.org, and there is a terrific information there. It won't teach you everything you need to know, but it'll get you started and pointed in the right direction. And if you'd like to contribute, uh, you, there's also a donation button there as well. Uh, but let's let's switch the topic a little bit to a more um, complete sort of discussion of allergies generally, Dr. Schoner. You mentioned that you're actually uh, on the line from a new allergy clinic that you've created called Easy Allergy. What's new in allergies? Tell us about testing and treatment options that people have now that they may not even realize are out there. Sure. Well, um, Macy's case inspired me to start thinking about more natural ways to treat children rather than heavy doses of corticosteroids. So, Allergen immunotherapy or allergy uh, desensitization therapy is one way to do that. Um, This is traditionally allergy shots and the extracts that we use to desensitize people like Macy, um, they come from the fields. These are all natural extracts. So it made me realize that we can switch some children and patients from medications to immunotherapy, which is all natural. And... I mentioned earlier that I had spent some of my career investigating different ways to give immunotherapy, and traditionally I'm an allergist and I give lots of allergy shots to patients, but uh, we began to investigate the delivery of the um, immunotherapy as a tablet under the tongue rather than as a shot. And in 2014, the FDA approved allergen immunotherapy tablets to give under the tongue at home to patients. So all of a sudden, it's not a shot anymore, and you don't have to go into a doctor's office to get it. You can actually deliver the the punch of allergen immunotherapy through a tablet under the tongue. And I thought to myself, well, this is ideal for children. Could this have been the answer to Macy's problem? And I said, yeah, it could have been. So I also realized that since the tablets are so new, 
that there's not a lot of awareness of them and not a lot of doctors using them. So that's the reason we decided to set up Easy Allergy, which means it's easy. We offer walk-in allergy skin testing, which is easy. It takes 20 minutes. There's no needles involved. And we, instead of being shot first, like I am with my allergist hat on, we are going to take into account people's needs for convenience and comfort, and we're going to try to be tablet first um, with home therapy and easy. So we decided that fit, fit the needs of the needs of children and people with busy lifestyles. So Easy Allergy will offer easy testing and easy therapy with tablet immunotherapy. Well, this is, uh, this is of course, interesting to a lot of people. Uh, I, I believe from our previous conversations that in Europe, they actually take a different approach even than shots or pills. Uh, something drops under the tongue or something like that? That's right, Steve. Uh, Europe has been progressive compared to the United States, and they're generally five years ahead of us there. And um, they don't use many allergy shots in Europe. Um, They do use some tablets under the tongue, but their main approach is with drops under the tongue. So they basically take the extracts that we give as shots here, and instead of giving them as shots, they actually put the drops under the tongue of those extracts. And the uh, drops get absorbed under the tongue, and it's called the sublingual space, and go to lymph nodes and, and desensitize people just like the allergy shots and the tablets do. The only problem here in the United States is that um, while the, the shots and the tablets under the tongue are approved by the FDA, the drops are not here. So there's not as many doctors using drops here as they do in Europe, but it's clearly a viable therapy for the right patient. Well, the the big news, of course, and we'll circle back to asthma for a second. I just was reading that the University of Pittsburgh issued a study that really calls into question the whole steroid approach to asthma and uh, there's some discussion that it doesn't work for everybody. Maybe 10% of the cases, steroids don't work at all. And there are some new treatments, but they're incredibly expensive. I was reading thirty to $40,000 a year in some cases. So my point is, if you can treat somebody's problem as really an allergy problem rather than an asthma problem, then there, there could be a lot of convenience and savings involved. Is that, is, is that something you agree with? Yeah, I, I, I do agree, uh, Steve, and, and you're right. About 30% of people that go onto these inhaled steroids that Macy was on uh, don't get any benefit from them. So clearly, newer approaches are needed. That newer approach could be let's dress, let's address the allergy. We have convenient and comfortable ways to do that now. And I think the study you probably referred to used these what's called biologics, where there's uh, monoclonal antibodies that get injected, and they go around and try to target different aspects of the immune system to to shut it off, just maybe sort of like the allergy shots uh, do. But those biologics tend to be uh, very expensive, and uh, the, uh, the allergy tablets are much less expensive than the biologic approach would be. I, I do want to tell you about an experience I had during one of the more recent presentations we gave, and I was talking about the side effects of inhaled corticosteroids, 
and some very astute member of the audience stood up and said, Dr. Schooner, do you envision a day when inhaled steroids won't be first line like they are now, but they'll be the last resort? In other words, we might address the allergy component first, like we could have done with Macy perhaps with the tablet, or we'll address one of these targeted biological therapies because that's called personalized medicine because you can take blood samples and samples of the air coming out of the lungs and so on, and you can say that you need this biologic because of these properties, or this patient might need another biologic, or this patient might need allergy therapy. That's a personalized approach, and I think that's where we're heading. And I think that person was right. We may be using those therapies first to treat asthma one day, and inhaled corticosteroids might end up not being a first choice like they are today, but might end up being a last resort someday. Well, that would be terrific news, and I, we need to wind up. Uh, Dr. Schoner, thank you so much for being our guest. I'm sure you've got patients sitting there tapping their toes wondering where you are. But it's always great to, when we can have somebody who really knows their stuff on the show uh, and telling us things that, that affect real people. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you for founding Macy's Teams and going around the country. And uh, we wish you well with your, your new venture. And what we're going to do is uh, take another break. And when I come back, I'll have some final thoughts. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. That could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You could kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. While college and university tuitions go up and up, higher education administrators have been spending less on students' education. Today, only a quarter of higher ed faculty has secure full-time jobs. The rest are so-called adjunct faculty, hired on a per-course temporary basis, often with no benefits and are paid just $2,700 on average per course. Dedicated adjunct faculty across the country are joining together and fighting back in defense of their students' future. In Pittsburgh, they have formed the Adjunct Faculty Association, affiliated with United Steelworkers Union. Adjuncts and students all over the city are joining the AFA to achieve the goal of providing high-quality, affordable higher education. 
To know more or to support Pittsburgh's adjunct faculty, give us a call at 412-562-6967 or find us on the web at usw.org. Again, that's 412-562-6967 or usw.org. Together, we can take higher education back. One in seven Americans will struggle with addiction during their lifetime. Want to know how you can help? Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to help turn addiction around. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council. And welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. We've had another interesting show, and it has been our pleasure to have as our guest this week Dr. David Schoner of Macy's Teams and the Easy Allergy Clinics. And for more information about medication safety, particularly with inhaled uh, steroids, you need to go to macysteams.org. That's M-A-C-I-S-T-E-A-M-S dot org. Uh, many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. More information is available at pair.com. That's P-A-I-R dot com. Please visit us at Healthcare politics that's at healthcare-politics.com and you can listen to our shows through the podcast there or go on itunes and please uh, listen to the shows and rate them that's terribly important these days our music is courtesy of mike stout our booker is dr ann mcgeary engineering and technical support is provided by tue media and until next week please remember the words of martin luther king jr of all forms of injustice inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. This has been a production of Dare to Be Reasonable Media, LLC. Please join us every week for Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And until then, stay healthy, my friends.